1: Hey everyone, JJ Cooper, Kyle Glazer joining you today on another Facebook Live. We're going to talk a little spring training prospect stands outs and also some guys who stood out in not so uh, positive a way. We're going to talk about the free agent signings that have happened recently. We've seen some movement there, some significant movement in the last uh, week, especially a, a really good team getting a little bit better. And we're going to take your questions as we always do. But before we do that, we do want to remind you, we do want to thank you for tuning in to today's Baseball America podcast and Facebook Live. Our podcast and Facebook Lives are brought to you by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids, including... got some new gear now, so this is some of the new shirts here you have for 2018. Uh, if you're a baseball fan, you need to check out Baseballism.com. Visit Baseballism.com and enter the offer code BASHIP, that's B-A-S-H-I-P, and you will get 20% off your order, and you're supporting the Baseball America podcast. We thank you for that. So, Kyle, before we get to the prospects, we've had, in the past week, we've had some significant, you know, significant moves. Because we have, obviously, we have Jake Arrieta is now a uh, Phil, 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 Philly. Philly was
2: Lance Lynn go to the Twins. We've we started to see more and Neil more. Neil Walker to the Yankees. So, three Significant moves. Absolutely. We're starting to see some of these veterans that we've been waiting to sign all winter. Finally signed. Mike Moustakis as well has signed since we last... Uh, did Jonathan LaCroix Live. with the A's. So we're starting to see these guys. And I think there's very reasonable expectation that all five of the guys we just named will have an impact on their teams, on pennant races in their various leagues. Uh, I think the big one's Jake Arietta And we talked a little bit about this next issue for those of you uh, who are subscribers get excited it's a rebuilding issue we're talking about rebuilds, what works and what doesn't the Phillies all expectations are by 2019 they'll be competitive that was true before they signed Jake Arrieta with this signing it's not about moving the timeline up it's about making that window more likely to occur Mm
0: -hmm. and that's
2: what this move does when you're saying okay instead of having Nick Pavetta who we don't know what Nick Pavetta we're going to get at the back of our rotation well now we just that move spot, everyone back. Move everyone up back, Jake Arrieta. Even a, a Jake Arrieta who has declined a little bit, as he has, is still better than who the Phillies were probably thinking about in that fourth or fifth starter's role this year and next. So I think in that case, again, it's a move that just makes it that more likely that the Phillies' window of contention they're hoping for actually occurs. And, and the thing about it is, is when you see a three-year deal for a guy like Arrieta, the, that's the last—I
1: mean, the reality is, is that— in year three of that, you are expecting. I would not be shocked at all that Arietta is less of a pitcher, you know, less of a significant pitcher than he is now. I mean, that's going to catch him through the, basically the remainder of his most productive years, probably, because that put him into his mid thirties. Um, but the more, but the thing that you just touched on that's important for the Phillies is, is if this Phillies team is
2: not contending at some point during those three years. Something's wrong. Something went wrong with the rebuild independent of Jake Arrieta. Right. So I, I think it's it's obviously it's an expensive contract, 3 years 75 million. There's some, you know, other escalator clauses and opt-outs involved, but I think if you're the Phillies you say, you know, even if Jake Arrieta alone does not perform up to, you know, a $25 million a year average annual value, if he is an upgrade, a modest or even a, an above-average upgrade over some of the other guys they ever planned to throw out there, which in all likelihood he will be, it makes the entire team better. It makes everything they're hoping for, again, more well, realistic to happen. Again, you look also at a guy like Lance
1: Lynn. Lance Lynn goes to the uh, Twins. The, the Twins have bargain shopped. And Lance Lynn, I, I do think in this deal, you're talking about in some ways bargain shopping. They've bargain shopped in a way that... What they've done through a, for their rotation... I mean, they've also gotten Logan Morris, and they've done other things as well, but what they've done for their rotation that really impresses me is, is it's still not a rotation. You get to the playoffs. There aren't a whole lot of guys that you look at this and say, yeah, that is the guy you want on the mound in game one of a playoff series. But they now have a very credible one, two, three, four, five. And now... They have the 6-7 that you need to have because you're going to use them. And then they have what it also means is, is that their number 8 starter at the start of the season is a guy like Fernando Romero is now more likely to impact them at some point as a, as a bullpen guy, which he could be very productive in that role.
2: I think with this signing, you know, you mentioned may not have, you know, a playoff guy, but I actually think they do in the no, sense No, to, no you know, play, they don't oh, have a right, the playoff they, ace. But I think you still look at, at one point this season, especially when Urban Santana got hurt, they signed Michael Pineda, but he's going to be out for half the year. You were at talking, about, You were talking about potentially a 3-4-5 of Kyle Gibson, you know, Alberto Mejia, and then hoping one of Steven Gonsalves, Aaron Sligers could can come up and help you. All of a sudden, now, Kyle Gibson goes, who who has not been a particularly effective pitcher recently, starter, I should say, all of a sudden, he's now your number five starter, you know, as you get deeper into the season, as opposed to potentially your number three. They sent down Alberto Mejia today. So, I mean, guys who you – And, and they, again, Alberto upgraded. Mejia is now their number de- six starter. he had a decent rookie year and last if, year. if you'd have if, – if the Twins had had to send Alberto Mejia
1: out as their number five this year, you would not in any way say – like, they're also going to – by the way, you know, like, the Phil Hughes, who knows what we're going to see from Phil Hughes – but Phil Hughes is still kicking around. He's, like, not even in the consideration for the rotation I, 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 at this point.
2: And, and the Twins, to their credit, we talked about they were trying to get back to the postseason. For them to do that, to, you know, with everything the Angels did, you know that, you know, the one of the Yankees' Red Sox are, are mm-hmm. not going anywhere. They'll be in the wild card hunt. There's always going to be a sleeper that pops up. For the Twins to repeat, they were going to have to improve their pitching staff. And they did. Again, if all of a sudden, now you talk about September, if you have Santana... Pineda and Lynn as the top and, and Jose Barrios. That's the mm-hmm. four you go into the postseason with. I will take that four with that offense. I, I'm comfortable taking that four with most of the other American League playoff contenders. And again,
1: runners. we also get Logan Morrison, which significant upgrade for them. First spatial SDH. Now they have depth there as well. You just look at it and you say, okay. And so then that, that gets us to the third and, and uh, the third one that happened this weekend and into this week. Neil Walker to the Yankees, which Just stands out from the standpoint of, again, the price at which this happened seems remarkably low uh, for the Yankees. But what this means is, is, after acquiring Brandon Drury, after now signing Neil Walker, this is a team that has not just a primary option, but a primary option and a legitimate backup option Pretty much all the way around
2: the infield and kind of goes into the outfield as well. And obviously, people want to talk about Glaber Torres and Miguel Andahar, but it goes beyond those guys. You have Tyler Wade and Ronald Torres, two very good mm-hmm. infielders who will have an opportunity to play big roles for the Yankees this year, whether it's off the bench, starting. We'll see how Probably not starting now. It's going to be interesting to see. The early reports are Wade still might start at second. Walker's, I, I don't see that happening, but I can't I, imagine if can't, Neil Walker could still, like, yeah, you know, because Tyler I Wade can play see. multiple positions too, whereas Neil Walker. Hey, <laughs> like, it's just the early reports, but yep. I agree. I, I, th- I think say. ultimately Neil Walker will be it's their Neil starting second. Neil Walker grabbing baseman. that catcher mitt going, hey, I can do this again. <laughs> but I do think that the Yankees, they've improved their depth. And again, you know, as much as we got excited about Glaber Torres coming off a major injury, Barely, I think twenty some odd games above double A. He did not have a good spring training. He, he's talented. He was not ready yet, and I think this. I, again, I will say, not hitting in spring training. I don't care. I, but but the context of injury, very little time above double A. Right. It, they they gives give him it time, and gives and him also time. it's a good thing. Yeah. Give him time. Let him do what he needs to do. And say we don't we don't have to have you right now because you have other guys who can produce. And when he's ready he'll tell you and you can bring up. You don't have to force it. And I think that's important for a team that doesn't just have division championship aspirations but World Series championship aspirations where you can let guys develop at their own pace and be okay at the major league level even if something goes wrong. Got a
1: couple questions. We're going to get to the prospects, but I do want to hit some of these questions. Uh, John Urkel, one of our uh, frequent watchers, and we appreciate that, John. uh, Some Tiger fans bemoaning that Victor Reyes hasn't hit in spring training. Should you really toss out all the reasons you drafted him based on a few dozen poor spring training at-bats? Don't you just find a way to carry him or trade for him? And it's rule five, so do you mind if I take this one? Go ahead. So, John, I, I would agree with you from the standpoint that the Tigers are not going anywhere this year. And so from that standpoint, the question that you really had to see with Victor Reyes, to me, more than spring training, more than just, is he going to hit? Because, again, you are talking about a very limited number of bats. What are you seeing defensively? Are you seeing that he can do a, a, a legitimate job, a an adequate job in center field to where he can be a fourth outfielder? If this was a contending team, I would say that Victor Reyes, no. There's no way he makes this team. But, I, and again, I don't even know if he fits in the Tigers' long-term plans. I would probably rather have Michael Gerber, who kind of checks a lot of the same boxes as a guy who's kind of in that in-between, between... Uh, big league, you know, regular
2: and big league backup. Performed
1: very well at AAA last
2: year, whereas Reyes, who's a good player, double A.
1: Yeah, so, a I mean, and again, Gerber, you can send to the minors when he's ready, you bring him up, and you, you don't have the same restrictions you have at the Rule 5. That said, again, the Tigers aren't going anywhere. Their roster is not exactly one where he's battling a, a murderer's row here to uh, to make it. So I can still see him potentially being carried um, but again, I, I don't think he's made a, a really strong case. And even when he was taken, it wasn't something you said, well, this is one of those guys. I was very confident that Burt Smith was going to make the Royals the minute that they acquired him in the Rule 5. I was never that confident that Victor Reyes, and I'm still not so
2: sure. Uh, so that'd be the answer on that. Uh, if you have anything to add, well, No, I'm- again, just you know, spring training stats, you know, never, ever, ever, and we're, we're going to repeat this as we talk more and more about some of the guys who are succeeding, some of the guys who are not succeeding right now. Never get too invested in them. It's more important. Just look at, okay, is a guy tracking pitches well? Quality of his at-bats. If a guy strikes out, but hey, he worked a good eight-pitch at-bat, he's a young guy, facing a big leaguer. And you just see the little things. That's what you should look for. I think looking purely at the results in spring training is a bad, bad, bad way to go about it. Whether looking veterans or prospects, it's more the context. the qu- Again, quality of swings, quality of defensive reads and plays. Um, Mm -hmm. pitchers, okay, are they landing their breaking ball for strikes, fastball command, even if, you know, a couple hits, you know, a ball drops here or there. You cannot get too excited or down on guys over spring training stats. I cannot emphasize that
1: enough. The other thing I'll say is is with the Rule 5, the biggest question to me, the biggest reason with a Rule 5 player, when you look at mid-spring training, are they going to make the team? Well, what is the team trying to do? Making the tigers right now pretty easy to do the astros looked at anthony goes for about an hour and a half and said we can't do this because if you're the astros you're not playing for 24 man roster this year if you're the yankees you're not playing for 24 man roster there are teams where it's like no we can't do this and there are other teams where you say well we're playing for, you know we're, we're we're playing for next year anyway well then it becomes the padres last year can go yeah, we can carry three guys, including one who did not get enough at bats to officially graduate from our by our standards prospect status over a full season. That kind of sums it up. Uh, Laurel Holtz Oxley asks: This is a little long question, but it's a, uh, an interesting one. Perhaps Mr. Boris will have will not have to make his approach based on the area contract. Will Hosmer too? On the other hand, there's cargo and moose. Um, how, the, basically, asking like if we look at What's happened with – and Boris, Scott Boris, who has consistently been one of the most productive agents, most successful agents over a multitude of decades now, but he was the agent of, uh, of a number of these players this offseason. Hosmer did get the largest deal out there, but at the same time, Mike Moustakis, another Royal slash boris client, uh, would have been much better off taking the qualifying offer than what he ended up with. Arietta gets – not the deal that he expected by any stretch of the imagination, but he gets a good deal, just shorter than probably he expected. Um, but at the same time, you again, you have you know other guys, Cargo and all who are not.
2: I, I think the big thing this comes up down to is some of these players, it's not like they never received an offer for more money. And since he did get the qualifying offer, Cargo, there had been extension talks at one point. So I think it's a situation where players now might have to say, yeah, I'm going to take this qualifying offer. Or in the case, say, hey... I have an extension available to me now the spring before. It's three years at $50 million. The seven-year, $100 million contract that maybe he could have gotten for two, three, four years ago isn't coming anymore. So I think there's still money out there that can be offered to these guys, but they're going to have to take it in different circumstances than they otherwise would have. I wrote a column about
1: this that went up, uh, I think, the end of last week. Um,
2: that The thing to me that jumps
1: out with this, especially on the heels of the Mustakas signing, I think is when I wrote it, but... You're looking ahead. So we are still multitude of years. We have four years, 18, 19, 20, 21 left on this CBA. It's so important they
2: can't strike before nothing that. is nothing is happening.
1: Nothing is happening before then. That said, to me, if I'm the owners, if I'm being really smart about this, and I would look ahead and say, okay, the way this is going right now, 2022 is going to be terrible for everyone. Players will be terrible for them, but it's gonna be terrible for the owners as well. Because right now we are headed down the road towards a return to the 80s and 90s where the two sides are at each other's throats and they're trying to figure out, you know, just how to basically both sides are really gonna be dug in. To give a bad analogy, a lot of there's a lot of talk of Tony Clark, the MLBPA head, and with Tony Clark, how you know he may be in trouble because this CBA is reflecting is doing so poorly for the players. And there may be truth to that. If I'm the owners, I would much rather have Tony Clark come out of this than I, to give the baseball manager analogy. They have, if, if you're a, a manager as a player's manager, they never replace the player's manager with another player's manager, you know, like the easygoing guy. It always course corrects to the other end of the spectrum. Sometimes overcorrects. Sometimes overcorrects. Absolutely. But if Tony Clark is not the head of the MLBPA the next time the CBA comes around... It's going to be a hardest-nails labor lawyer. Exactly. It's
2: going to be a... Which will make it worse for the owners.
1: And if you're the owners, one thing that I think you could do, which the players would gratefully accept and would build some detente, which we do not have right now, is you just hit on it. The qualifying offer, you can still do the qualifying offer to me, but if you took away the... The draft pick penalty, and again, I don't think the owners are going to offer this in any way, but if you took away that penalty, that would change the free agent market because a guy like Moustakis would have been worth way more if teams didn't have to give up a pick.
2: The other thing is, this was collectively bargained. This is what the players bargained Mm -hmm. for. So even if there is a change, it's not coming. It'll come to the So there's still a lot of time left between now and 2022. Four years is a long time. We'll see. I think right now, obviously, uh, it's pretty clear the dynamics have changed, and a lot of people aren't happy about it. I think it's kind of just to watch and see if it gets worse, if it stays the same, if there's a bounce back next year. We can all pre- try and predict the future, but we don't really know. So, I but think, right, I now, think right th- now, this but
1: right now this year has ensured almost that the owners are going to win free agency next year, with the exception of the Harpers and the, Machado's. the guys, Machado's They'll guys like theirs. that.
2: They'll get there, but.
1: If you are a 32-year-old solid player, you're jumping at offers in November next year because you know. I don't know if I'm going to get like there. There is already the success the owners have had this off season is going to lead to success for them next off season. From the simple standpoint, just logically, if you're a player, you don't want to be the Bustakis, the Walker, the guy like that.
2: Zach Cozart signed early, early in mm-hmm. this. Four years, thirty-two million. Justin Upton did the, you know, the the whole thing, the opt-out, but really, mm-hmm. essentially, signed an extension. They look really off. smart. They look really smart. The guys who jumped at early ended up looking really smart, rather the guys who were holding out for an additional twenty, thirty million. A case of cases, it cost of money. Ron Lee
1: asked. I've been hearing Otani and Acuna
2: are going to be in AAA, but also heard they're both going to make the club out of spring training. Shohei Otani will not be in AAA. Get that out of your mind. Shohei Otani, as a hitter, as we've talked about, ad nauseum is not ready to be a middle-of-the-order impact bat against Major League Pitching. We have known that since the moment he signed. If you read Baseball America, you would have known that. He can still be, from opening day, a better pitcher than a lot of fourth and fifth starters out there, and the Angels intend to use him. He will not be their opening day starter. That should, that will likely be Garrett Richards. But by but the he way... He will be in their starting rotation.
1: And do remember, they're not they're paying him Major League Minimum also when the season so begins. So Shohei
2: Otani is not going to Salt Lake. But,
1: but Ronald Acuna, on the other hand... I find it highly, highly, highly likely that they were going to be some reason that he needs to spend, oh, I don't know, two weeks, maybe two weeks and a couple of days. And Triple I'm, I'm, and I'm really, reason. I'm kind of, what I am looking forward to on hearing on this is what that reason is. Because this is a good segue to us talking about the, kind of the prospects that stood out. Ronald Acuna right now, and again, spring training stats don't overemphasize them. They don't, especially
2: the early part of spring training before the pitching staffs have started to thin out and and the guys get the lower level guys get reassigned.
1: That said, Ronald Acuna has done nothing in spring training in any way to show anything other than he's one of the better players in the Rays lineup. He also provides an impact defensively. All that they don't, and the funny thing about that also is is they don't really have. This is not something where if they'd have kept Kemp, which they're happy they didn't, but if they'd have kept Matt Kemp, and it was Matt Kemp, and uh, Ender and Ciarte and Nick Markakis, and they're going, you know, we're going to give Kemp a little time because he was he hit twenty something homer slash, whatever. They could have made up some kind of excuse like that. There's no one.
2: I, I will say, in, to, in fairness to Lane Adams, he did perform in his limited time. Very last limited. Yes. Yeah. So, but yes, but, Lane yes, Adams but, and Preston Tucker in left field are. Probably not going to outdo what Ronald Acuna could do. I, I look, you mentioned it. we we talked about stats not being the most important thing, but I do think there are cases where you see guys again performing, you know, doing some good things. You do need to give them credit. I mean, Acuna, for those interested, in the numbers: 419, 526, hundred twenty-six, five hundred forty-eight. The slash that'll five. play. That'll play. Uh, you know, another guy. Before we get back to the questions that I want to talk about, the, were the stats. Mean a little something, and for me, that's Ryan McMahon. In the sense that this was a guy who was challenged, win a job. Mm-hmm. We're putting you out there, and the Rockies have given it, Ryan McMahon as of this recording has the most at bats in spring training of any player. The Rockies mm-hmm. keep throwing him out there; mm-hmm. they keep challenging him. He doesn't get days off. You need to win this job. He's responded. He's hit three fifty six, three seventy five fifty six.
1: That's what you're – and by
2: the way, that's not in course Field. And no, they, they still have not said, hey, yeah. he's won it. Uh, Patrick Saunders, the Denver Post, put out the article today saying they still want – it's going to be right down to the wire, especially now they sign Carlos Gonzalez, move some things around outfield to infield. But overall, when I see a guy who's been challenged, this isn't a, hey, show up, get some reps, see how you do. it. No. hey, this, this is your livelihood on the line, he, and he performs. That's, that's really, really promising to see.
1: Uh, a couple other guys who do stand out from those standpoints. Uh, Stephen Duggar, the you, you really look at it and say that the Giants kind of. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, again, Mac Williamson's also hit for that. I don't you know. I don't know how much to make of that, but at the same time, it does mean something for Duggar's case because they kind of want him to uh, step into that role, and they I think that defensively he will help them if he gets to, you know if he if he can uh, if he can make that jump. Um, and obviously, to me, the other guy that just stands out, Eloy Jimenez has been really good lately. The thing with Eloy is, is he has been banged up a little bit, which has been kind of a I think a, it's thing a, a just,
2: recurring theme. That's it's
1: usually concerned. leg and knee related. So he's a big guy who got big young. And we do see that sometimes. But at the same one, Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, it's going to be fun. He's not, you know, he's not going to break camp opening day. Yeah. But at the he same time, he was
2: reassigned. He was reassigned yeah. today along Blue Series. But again, you know, in a case of a guy like Tatis. Started out really hot, finished one for 17 with 5Ks. Again, you don't want to go overboard on stats, but there's always things to work on. Pinch recognition, strike zone stuff. Um, I will say, two guys were interesting to me. Dan Vogelbach played his way out of a job last year's spring training. Had a chance to be in the platoon with Danny Valencia. Played his way out of the job. It's Come back this year, 444, 571, 852. Again, that said, I don't think that that plays them into a job. It doesn't, especially since they acquired Ryan Healy. Yeah, but he uh, The pitcher side to me is interesting, too. But and again, also,
1: the other thing with Vogelbach is is that kind of uh, the question is, is like, okay, are you going to be able to do something more than DH? And,
2: and the answer is probably no, still. So well, that's, you, you know, you know yeah. we'll see what happens. You know, on the pitcher side, I think the A's right now, they're banking on a step forward from their young rotation hasn't the spring has been very shaky uh, Julian McWilliams at the Athletic has done a really good job covering that Gerald Cotton though and at one point mm-hmm. was considered may, maybe the best of the A's young arms did not have a good rookie year last year come back 12 innings 16K 6 walks 195 opponents average again not that it's the biggest deal in the world with the stats, but you see, okay, you know, one of the things with him has always been confidence and having this belief in himself. And it seems like there's been some positive steps. There
1: forward. are positive steps. My concern still will be is, is in regular season, is he going to be able to do that? Now, again, we, the expectations are different now. This is not, can he do that for eight innings? That's not as – can he do that for five to six right. every time out?
2: And that's where especially pitcher stats, even more than hitter stats – Take it with the grain of salt and spring training. Right. But but I think there's still, you know, there's things you can see. Okay, this is encouraging. Sean Newcomb, 12 strikeouts to two walks, no one controls always been his bug. But again, just little things where you can kinda He's starting to show he's locating better. Except, which
1: that's I, that's I, the that's the Sean Newcomb to do list. I'm kinda still gonna be kind of fascinated to hear because Mike Fulton a, which has also had a big uh, a very strong spring. I wanna see kind of how the Braves' opening day pitching staff well, looks? It was
2: interesting at the winter meetings. Uh, you know, Brian Snicker said Newcomb, Fulton, Tehran, and Gohar will be in my opening day roster. Well, Te- uh, Gohar is down an ankle injury; he's going to be out. Although, for eight weeks. right, oh right, right, it's an eight-week injury. Yeah. So now you have two spots open. We've seen Casper, we've seen McCarthy, maybe Lucas Sims. It's just it'll be interesting to see. Because well, and by the way, the time other thing for guys is to this, win jobs.
1: the other thing it's not going to be on the opening day roster. But when when we talk about Acuna. Mike Soroka, and Mike Soroka, you know, we, we're big big believers here. I mean, like, you look at where he is on the top 100. But uh, one of the things that stands out with Soroka, shorter stints, but you're seeing some 6s, you're seeing some 97s, which I don't think he's going to do that consistently when he's going out there, you know, for longer stints. But at the same time, just a reminder that Mike Soroka is not just a locate with adequate stuff he can run it up there a little bit more too uh do want to get to this question chad ryan banks asks should keston Hura be upgraded to a 70 hit tool dude has otherworldly ability in peak seasons do you prefer him or royce lewis to th- offensively and thank you guys love the handbook which thank you for reading the handbook we
2: appreciate that still on sale and look keston Hura was one of the best hitters in the country collegiately last year you could argue he was i, was the least, best. I would say he you could absolutely one. argue that I don't, it, I mean, was cons- I it was consistent 60-hit tools. I think, generally speaking, we've talked about this, evaluators are very, very, very hesitant to put sevens and eights on tools outside of speed and occasionally an R. Especially for a guy who's
1: really just hitting pro ball. Like it's, you get that on Vlad Guerrero Jr. now from people, but at the same time, Vlad now has done that over a full season in, the, in low A. So, so I will I, say
2: this. Is Keston Hura, you know, balance bat speed, pitch recognition, are all the ingredients there? Because we talk about a 70-hitter. That, depending on... You know, each team has different scouting scales, but pure numbers-wise, it's about a 310 batting average. If Keston Hur hits 310 the big leagues, it will not come as a shock to... Now, I'm not saying that's what he'll do over his course of his career, but, it wouldn't, but at his peak... But I would say that also, is that is within attainable. the range of things that he could do. That is attainable. So if you want to say, it as, could he be a 70-hitter, or essentially hit 310 in his peak seasons? Absolutely. Um, Last one to wrap
1: up with. This is a a different one, but John Erklasky also said, JJ, a year ago, you tweeted about following the Finnish Baseball League. Are you still following Finnish Baseball? Or is that a short-lived thing? Will you be heading to Helsinki to file reports? Uh, No, I'm flying to Helsinki. Actually, what I was really fascinated is that there is a Finnish game of baseball that's like baseball, but it's different. But at the same time, I do try to keep up with baseball around the world as much as I can. There are only so many hours in the day. Um, I would say that my... Pro prospect knowledge, majors knowledge, JUCO knowledge, D1 knowledge, D2, D3 knowledge, high school knowledge are all be much beyond my Finnish baseball knowledge. But I have actually looked at the website and all, and so I do follow a little bit of baseball in Europe. So, But no, not getting to Helsinki. At the same time, I wish I could remember the name of the Finnish game of baseball that's kind of like baseball, but not exactly, because it was fascinating to kind of discover that you have this other game going on.
2: I will say you know, whether or not uh, Finnish, uh, Finland becomes a baseball hotbed like a hockey hotbed. I, I do want to finish up, you know, we talked yeah. about all these guys who have done well. There are some guys who have really struggled this okay. spring training. And it's and again, if it's a guy who's a good player who's struggling, you know, Mike Troff got, got off to a poor start. Don't care. Who cares? No one cares. We talked for a, a lot.
1: Va- for a veteran, I just simply do not care, period. Because, like, literally Greg Maddox, to, to take a slight tangent, I'll try to be quick, but Greg Maddox would literally give up home run balls in spring training for the idea that it would plant a seed in a hitter's head that he could use in July. Like, I'm going to throw this pitch in this sequence, and then he's going to destroy it, and it
2: means I'm going to have him in July. And he, could, he would give up that home run, and he'd be happy about it. One guy who we've talked about a in Nauseam is Tyler Glasnow. Mm-hmm. He's gone back out into the rotation again. ERA over 11. Again, giving up a hit knitting. inning. At what point, And we've talked about this. I, you know, when Tyler Glass and I, we saw him come down to, to uh, Durham last year when he was with Indianapolis. Same I, in Durham, I think. A really I just keep going seasons. back to at a certain point. Well, on the one hand, you don't want to give up on a kid who's young with a big arm. I still think he can do more for you in an Archie Bradley type role. They keep running him out oh. there. He keeps struggling. I, I think the answer, to, and we say at what point?
1: The point is, is when you run out of options. That's that is generally what happens. That's a fair point. Is is a fair it, point. But when I, you if you still have options left, you send them down to the minors and you say, we're going to keep working so, on this. So I mean, and the year that you get to that point where you don't have any options left, you go, you're going to the pen.
2: Fair point. I just think Tyler Glasnow you again, you know they keep trying, they keep trying, they keep trying, and it keeps not working And at a certain point. Yeah,
1: but at the same time, I would say, and I'm not confident that it will click, but at the same time as him as the starter, he's still
2: relatively young. No question. So at 23,
1: I believe. Yeah. He's,
2: not, he's not, again, it's just one of the things where... He's a guy you want to see. Okay, can he take a stride? Can he? Because he's a guy who has things to work on but, and improve, and it, he has not.
1: But the tough part about that is, is that at the same time, you reach a point where sending him back to AAA again, and again, and again, he's going to miss bats in AAA. I mean, that's the tough part about this. Is, is that
2: we, we there is no
1: it. in-between role. That if the the to me the best case for Tyler Glasnow reliever right now is simply from the standpoint: Do you believe? Do you if you believe that that'll help him develop better than going back and succeeding against AAA hitters, then maybe you do that just from the standpoint of I mean we've seen we know he can succeed in AAA. He's done that. I, I, again, maybe' I'm, my memory's faulty. Was it two years ago or three years ago I was watching him? I think it was three years ago I was watching him in Durham late in the season. and you know it's been a while that he's shown he can do that at AAA. He's always missed bats in the minors but he's going to have to have better control to have success in majors, and that has not happened. And again, I do not know if going back
2: and getting twenty more starts in AAA will do that. Which is why I'm saying yeah. I think it might be interesting to do that. Um, Joe Biagini, another guy, Rule Five pick, great reliever, was not good in rotation last year in Toronto. Again, not a good spring. I, again, talk about. I think he's a reliever. I think that's, that. I mean
1: that. If you hey, if he's a useful reliever like he was two years ago, you're happy with it. That's a great Rule Five pick.
2: And then you know Andrew Moore was sent back down to. To AAA, a guy who was always pitchability, scouts liked him, the stuff didn't play that great in the majors. Came to spring with a chance to win a job, didn't work oh, out. Especially the way, now at the Mariners. The frightening pitchers, thing about that
1: is, is not just a chance to win a job, but he had a chance to win a job, and then two of the people he was competing with
2: are got hurt Felix Fernandez, Rasmus, and then Marco Gonzalez took a liner off his hand yesterday. So so we've talked about the, the Mariners. I mean, with candidates falling left and right, Andrew Moore still didn't... Well, I mean, we'll see maybe now with the Mark Gonzalez thing. Maybe he, he gets a better chance, but I think we've talked about... The, the fact, Mar- if you send him down at this point, though... Well, they sent him down before the Mark Gonzalez, but yes. I saying, no,
1: I'm, but I'm saying,
2: with you are Felix not
1: really Rouse-Pers. in the... You are not really in the battle mm-hmm. if you get sent down and we still have a couple of weeks till opening day. Like, the guys who are really battling for that roster
2: spot right. aren't being sent down with two weeks to go. That's you know. a fair point. So I think, again, just guys who had something to prove sling to win and it hasn't worked again this is not a death knell for their careers it should not be seen as a sign that they will never be good none of that but again just you watch trends you watch guys who have something to gain whether they can deliver on it you know ryan mcmahon has tyler glass has not just see where it goes i think that's all you can really do in spring training that's half the fun uh last one ron lee bass i
1: get the Cunha poster behind you um Contact customer service because we do actually. I think you you I think you can get a, a Cunha poster. But I'm not absolutely 100% positive on that, but uh, but I believe you can. Uh, baseballamerica.com/store or just call our our customer service at baseballamerica.com. Uh, we thank you all for listening. We thank you all for uh, for the downloads on uh, on the podcast, and we do want to thank also our. Uh, this was sponsored by Baseballism. Visit Baseballism.com and enter the offer code BASHIP, that's B-A-S-H-I-P, and you can get cool shirts like this or like the ones we've got. Again, there's a lot of new – we've got a lot of Major league theme stuff uh, out there now that's really sharp. I'm going to put one of those on. The movie Major League. It's not an MLB logo. It's a – The Major League, the movie, movie, you know, so you can, uh, you know, have a Wild Thing shirt or or things like that. Joe Boo. Joe Boo. Uh, So for Kyle Glazer, for Josh Norris, our producer today, I'm JJ Cooper. So long, everybody